When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 84 of Ghost in the Night, a hauntings and paranormal podcast. I am Phil Sams. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to check out this podcast. Today, we're uh, going to get a little freaky. We're going to cover something I generally don't talk a lot about, but being a ghost type podcast but we do talk about the paranormal and i believe paranormal is anything we do not understand now i have done past episodes on cryptids on aliens on ufos on all anything we don't understand i do cover and today's another one of those episodes i might lose some of you on this one because this is far out there this is a strange concept some people might even say this is crazy and that is Nazis in Space. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Now, this all started with, I read a book. I know, shocking. But it was a book called Dark Fleet, The Secret Nazi Space Program and the Battle for the Solar System. And it was a book by Len Kasten. Now, the title and the concept of this book or the idea of this book really sparked me and really got me interested in it. At first glance, I mean, it was the title, you know, Dark Fleet, The Secret Nazi Space Program. This is very interesting because I love history and dealing with or learning about different aspects of World War II era, it's very interesting. And we all know that the Germans were, in that time, had better scientists. Their technology was much better than ours. And it's kind of interesting to the fact that they still lost the war. We, the Allies, won the war, even though we were at some sort of a disadvantage when it comes to technology. Even today, German-made products are still very good. Some might even say they well outclass our products. So the concept of them being more technical, more advanced than us, does, is not out of the question. But to say that they actually went to space or they have bases on the moon and we'll get into all that stuff is pretty far out there. It is very, very, for people to understand and people to wrap their heads around. But anyway, this book, like I said, drew me in. So I started reading it. And my first thoughts of it, as I, or my initial thoughts of it was, okay, this is a great science fiction movie. It basically takes everything from Star Wars to Star Trek and throws it in there and it makes it seem like those, maybe those series of movies were actually onto something. And it, it's very possible that there's much more going on and much more has gone on than we actually understand that we actually know. But now let's dive into the Nazi party in Germany at the time. It's common knowledge that Hitler and the SS were balls deep into 
the occult. They were looking to reach out to other dimensions, to something or whatever is out there, to gain power, to gain technology, to leap forward and essentially take over the planet. Um, Kasson dives deep into this idea. He connects some dots that have been caught that between these dots there has been craters of we don't know what's going on. He jumps over these craters and connects some dots and makes some assumptions and he concludes that the Nazis and Hitler not only was in contact with aliens, but we've all heard the term reptilians. He basically states that the reptilians were behind, were the alien force behind the Nazi party. But he doesn't even stop there. He states that the Nazi party and Hitler were handpicked. They were chosen to not only take over the planet, but to also take over the solar system. Yes, I said solar system. So their concept was for the Nazi party to take over the planet and take over the solar system. In the 1930s, we didn't go to the moon till 69. And he wants us to believe, wants us to think that the Nazis were actually thinking about venturing out into the solar system in the 30s and 40s. That's, that, that's hard to wrap your head around. That's hard to understand. Oh, hell, actually, I misspoke. Forgot all about this. But in the book, he basically states that this crazy alliance between the aliens or reptilians and Hitler, essentially, actually started in the 1920s. So it's even more crazy. Hitler was introduced to the practice of the occult by a man named Dietrich Eckhart. Eckhart believed Hitler was the Antichrist. And we've all heard that before. That's been since 1945. That has kind of been a common theme, a common thread in a lot of people's mind is that Hitler was the first coming of the Antichrist. But Eckhart believed this mainly because his astral guides told him. They told him this. They expressed to him that Hitler was the Antichrist, which, you know, that's not that far out there. If you want to make an argument for that, hey, I can go along with that to a certain extent. But anyway, Eckhart and Hitler essentially got the ball rolling by doing rituals. They uh, started doing seances back in the 20s, before they, you know, Hitler rose to power. So he was knee-deep into the occult, these, this thinking of making contact with multidimensional beings. Now, some people at this time, Eckhart and other people, actually noticed a change in Hitler during this time. Some believe that Hitler was actually possessed by some entity or Maybe that the that's what the Antichrist is. The Antichrist is a spiritual being that takes over a human. And that's what actually happened. Because they did notice a change in Hitler once they started to practice some of these rituals. In the book, 
Kasson makes, he believes that Eckhart's guides, his, his astral guides, were actually reptilians that were reaching out to him and they were getting the ball rolling with this whole concept of they knew what was coming, they knew what was on the brink between the two wars and how things were going to come over and how things were going to start. They were laying the groundwork because this isn't the first time, according to Caston, that the reptilians have kind of went into a struggle for global domination. He theorizes in the book that the reptilians were at war with the Atlanteans, and that is actually what happened to Atlantis. It was destroyed by the reptilians. It wasn't some kind of major earth event or earthquake or volcano or whatever that sunk Atlantis. They were battling out for supremacy on the planet, and unfortunately, the Atlanteans did not make it. Now, he does state some of them survived. Now, the most common um, version of reptilians, when people who have researched the paranormal or done some UFO type stuff or alien type stuff or researching it in some way, shape, or form, feel that the reptilians, or they, the theory is that the reptilians are underground and they venture up to wreak havoc and maybe abduct people or whatever. That's not the point of the issue, but the whole concept of reptilians is a common thread in the lore of aliens and the UFOs and, <clears throat> and everything. So I'm not 100% sold on the whole reptilian concept, but I have heard stories of people seeing them come out of the uh, sewer system. Maybe that explains the whole myth of alligators in the sewers and things such as that. You know, anything's possible. That's not that far out of my wheelhouse, I guess. Trust me, Kasten does go a little bit deeper, go a little bit further down the rabbit hole. And he does lose me on a lot of this. A little spoiler alert there. He does lose me on some of this, as you'll find out as you listen to the podcast. One thing I do agree with him on, if the reptilians are real, if they actually exist, I personally believe they're dimensional. They are a dimensional being. They might, they probably actually live in another dimension and they just are able to come from their dimension to ours. I think that's more plausible if they are real. I've never seen one, so like I said, I don't know 100%, but that does make a little bit more sense to me and I can go along with him on that. And actually, maybe the whole concept of demons and evil spirits and evil beings, that it might all be the same. Reptilians might be those exact entities, and that is what the church thinks of as demons or demonic entities coming into this realm, or when you open a portal, that's what comes through. It's not necessarily the same thing as you or you, you learned in Sunday school, it might just be those demonic entities are really a reptilian species that lives in another dimension that can cross over to our realm. So to summarize just a little bit here, real quick, basically Kasson's theory is the reptilians took over Hitler and got the ball rolling on the evil that was going to come down the road. 
all the nasty, evil, horrific things that Hitler and the Nazi party did was started by the reptilians taking over Hitler and pushing this agenda. And the more I have researched or learned through all my years of the World War II era in Hitler and the Nazi party, Hitler's rise to power is very suspect. It's interesting on how somebody that wasn't highly educated, not saying he wasn't smart, but he wasn't highly educated. He had no, and I mean no, political experience. He was average. He was just a commoner. Um, wasn't some great soldier, great some great military leader. So maybe he might be onto something when it comes to explaining how Hitler came to power. Yes, he was charismatic. He was a great speaker. We, I will give him that. But there might be something that something to this concept that he had a little extra help. Maybe a dimensional entity such as reptilians helped groom him, gave him the boost that he needed to take over and essentially form the Third Reich and do all the horrific things that they did at that time. And in the grand scheme of things, his rise and takeover of Germany was very fast. I mean, it was rapid on how he came to power, came to power and rose to power. But the real question is, was it supernatural? Did he have the help? However, Kasson doesn't really give you any proof. And that's kind of the theory behind, or not theory, but the concept in this whole book, in my opinion. It's great ideas. It's great theory. But I need a little bit more. I need more proof that this idea is actually how things transpired, how things moved forward. I mean, just connecting dots and going, you know, and there's a lot of gaps in history. And you can connect some dots very easily that might not really be connected. And when you connect those dots, you get a really fascinating, really far out there idea or theory. And that, in my opinion, that's kind of what's going on here. Throughout history, there is, there's weird things that have happened. And finding out why those things happen is hard to do and so people go speculate on what is the cause how they did it and whatever this is a perfect example of that this book really spends a lot of time talking about antarctica and what has happened down there what is antarctica um yes we know the third reich was interested in antarctica they went there and let's be honest, Antarctica is filled with mystery. We as a society or as people don't know a lot about it. We're not technically allowed to go there. Um, it's designated for science research, supposedly. Only governments know what's going on down there. And scientists and researchers, you have to have permission to go down there. We don't know. So that throws up a lot of speculation on what is actually going on down there and the mystery of it. There has been tales of it being an alien base. Even Kasten talks about the Third Reich went down there and actually built a base. 
uh, and colonized it essentially. And it was called New Swabenland. And it was, you know, that is a whole continent is very, very interesting. Just, it's just mysterious. And we, because we don't know a lot about it. There have been reports of there being a big hole there that possibly leads to the whole hollow earth. If you're subscribed to that theory, that there's actually a whole world inside the earth. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in that. But on a fun side note, I did hear a story. I don't know what I was listening to or where I read it or maybe it was one day on a YouTube binge. But I believe there's military installations down there and there is a presence down there. And if I remember the story correctly, um, there was an accident and they were flying, they had to, they was flying some, this person that was injured to a base and it was a grave situation. It was a matter of life and death and there are restricted fly zones in Antarctica and these pilots had to make a decision. They had to go in that direction, they had, would have had to go over the no-fly zone, if they went around, they wouldn't have had enough time to save this person's life. So they made a call, and they started flying, and they just flew straight. And they reported seeing a big, what appeared to be whole, was it a crater? I don't know. They, You know, that's for you to form your own opinion. But they did see some kind of big hole-type structure. Now, was that... A hole leading to the hollow earth. I don't know. Was that the base entrance to the aliens? Or was that the some have something to do with New Swabenland? I don't know. But there is a lot of caverns down there. There's a lot of, you know, there's reports of hot springs underneath the ice. I don't know. It's all speculation to me. But like I said, it's just a mysterious place. And we don't know a lot about it. And so whenever you don't know uh, a lot about anything, people's minds will speculate. They will jump to a lot of conclusions, which can get make things very dicey and lead to a lot of false information and a lot of wild guesses. But why is, my whole thing is, why is it so mysterious? Why is it a big secret? Why do we don't know a lot about or not a lot is revealed to us, the general public, about it? Is it because there might be aliens there? Is there actually a Nazi colony still there? Or is it just an ice wall that is surrounding the flat earth? Who knows? Ooh, I said flat earth on the podcast. Uh-oh. That could open up a big can of worms. I mean, if you want to... I'm not... I don't care what people believe. If you want to believe in the flat earth, that's fine. I admit our reality is weird. There are things we can't understand. I personally don't buy the whole flat earth concept just for the mere fact of I use math every day in my work at my real job. And from what I've experienced in my life, that math shit works. So I don't understand it. I, I don't, the whole flat earth concept brings more questions than answers. So I don't want to get into it. I'm sure I'll get a bunch of, uh, angry hate emails on that or at least comments that's fine maybe we can do that on another day if that's what you want to believe that's fine if you want to believe in the simulation theory i'm i would almost move more toward that that this whole reality is just a simulation but anyway 
Antarctica. Why can't we go there? Why do we need special permission? Are they hiding something? Whenever you don't let anybody go there or, or, or limit their access to it, that brings speculation of what's going on. Now, is it just because it's so dangerous? Yes, that has something to do with it. Or are there secret, do we have secrets there? Every country that has access to it that, were, that was involved in that treaty are they doing things down there they just don't want us to know about? That's very possible. It could be some rational explanation for it. That's very possible. But the whole mystery makes people like me and other people that kind of go a little bit deeper into this think that there's something fishy going on there, and that's very possible as well. What's really interesting is there's so much mystery surrounding Antarctica, and the Nazis had such a fascination with the South Pole, and that continent, and they were so knee-deep into the occult, into dimensions, into making contact with other beings like that, and they had this fascination with Antarctica, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. If there is an alien presence on the planet, then I would think that would where where it would be. It's not ideal conditions for humans to survive. It is hard for us. It's rough. It's dangerous. We're not down there that much. So that is the best place to hide, I would think. And if there is some big hole there, maybe there is tunnels connecting all over the planet. And that's why they pop up in, you know, the whole underwater phenomenon when it comes to UFOs. UFOs coming out of the ocean. Maybe there's vents. I don't know. That's very plausible. It's it's very interesting. But it's one thing that could be the factor that, or the reason that they're keeping it so hush-hush and why it's so top secret. Now, Cash, Caston in his book basically says that's where the reptilians spend most of their time when they're on this planet. That is what they're hang out, for lack of a better word. I don't know what you call it. Since they're dimensional, why would they hang out in Antarctica? But that is the base of operations for the Nazis for all their science-faring, or not science-faring, space-faring type adventures that he lays out in this book. It all starts in Antarctica, and that's where they, that is where their Kennedy Space Center is for the Nazis. It's in Antarctica. Now, another thing I'll get in, I'll mention real quick when it comes to Antarctica is the whole Operation High Jump and Admiral Richard Byrd's interaction down there or the whatever happened down there in that operation. I mean, he came up, up against something. Now, a lot of, there's been a lot of speculation saying that it was actually UFOs that they got in a little mini battle with. Could have been the uh, Nazi colony there. And from what Kasten explains, that was a scientific research area of the Nazi party or the Nazi German government. They did a lot of research on there to get into space, so they probably had some, if this is, I see this logic, if that's where the research and this kind of stuff, that's where they're getting help from the reptilians, they're going to have some uh, actual more advanced equipment, more advanced 
planes or flying saucers or whatever. And that is what Bird came up against when he went down there in 46. So if the Nazis were still there in 1946, they pushed them away. You know, they had a conflict there. Now, I don't know exactly. I'm not an expert on Operation High Jump. However, I might do a little bit more research in that and maybe do, devote a whole episode just to that idea and that what happened or the theories of what happened down there during that time with Admiral Byrd. Because whatever, whatever he encountered, whatever happened, it ruined him. It ruined his career. And the waters get murky when you're talking about what actually happened and everything. So I'll do a little bit more, more research and we'll actually do another episode in the future on that, most likely. But Kasten kind of believes that Operation High Jump basically went head on with the reptilian forces and the Nazi forces. If they were there, because if I'm not mistaken, you know, there's a lot after the war, a lot of things went, U boats went missing. There are still U boats that are unaccounted for. Did they go to Antarctica? Very possible. Or did they just sink? Also very possible. Maybe more plausible. But like I said, this is where we connect some dots. We don't have a lot of proof in the book. He just connects the dots and has a lot of wild theories. So whether you believe that Admiral Byrd encountered the Nazis, aliens, or both, or he just went up against some extremely tough weather conditions that you know, forced him out, that's up to you and that's for you to decide. However, why did Admiral Byrd warn of foreign invasion from the Poles and advise we should plan and protect ourselves as a country from hostile planes coming from the Antarctic region? That's interesting. Those were his words. I don't know. I mean, this, if he didn't come up against something weird down there, why would he say those things? I don't know. That's one, it's just one of those, that's the problem with the paranormal. You, for every little tidbit you get, every morsel of evidence or truth, it just brings up a thousand more questions. And that's what makes this an unsolvable problem in my opinion, and but that's what, also what makes it fascinating and more, very interesting. Okay, now we're going to get into the, the little, the weird part of this book and concepts that Bird, or not Bird, that uh, Kasten, you know, lays out in the book, and that is the Nazi space travel program. According to Kasten, the first moon landing was on August 23rd, 1942. Now, once I read that, and I there had been a little something nagging at me in the back of my head while I was reading the book, and even the whole idea of the book was that the Nazi party, Germany, Hitler, they could make it to the moon in 1942. They had helped or advisors from a alien species or a dimensional species is what you know I'm going to say dimension and dimensional entity rather than alien I 
that's, you know, we're splitting hairs here, but he had help from the reptilians. He had the, they had the technology to make it to the moon, according to Caston. But they couldn't win World War II. Fighting a world war on two fronts was too much for them, even though they had help from uh, entities from other dimensions or other worlds. They had the technology to make it to the moon. Or at least, let's just say for argument's sake, they had spacefaring technology, but they couldn't win a war on two fronts. Really? Did, what, did Hitler just spread himself too far, too thin? You know, he's between technology advancement, the space program, the war, a little thing called the Holocaust. It's just too much for him. Now, Kasten does talk about in the book this concept a little bit. And that is, and he says the reptilians knew as soon as the Americans got into the war, it they Germany couldn't win it. All right. Um, really? Back in 1942, we were that strong of a nation. We were made that much of a difference that a dimensional advantage couldn't be overcome. Our military at that time wasn't the powerhouse that it is now. Yes, we had great infrastructure. We had great. We were great for industry. We can make things fast, but that could overcome a supernatural and dimensional advantage. Eh, somebody, I mean, that's a little far fetched to me. I think you know we're cool and we're badass, but we ain't that badass. We didn't have the technology to go to the moon. We needed the German scientists to get to the moon, but yet us coming into a war made it a lost cause for Germany. That's where I don't buy it. That's where I have the problem with this whole concept that he, that the Germans had extra help from the reptilians. Plus another thing. Now we all, we all know that the, you know, scientists were divvied up between the allied forces and some came here. Some went to Russia. Some went to Great Britain, I guess. So Werner Braun Braun, came here to the U.S., and it took him 27 years to get Armstrong to go to the moon or to land on the moon when they supposedly did it in August of 42. Really? What, was he just slow rolling us? I really think that this is the fault. This is the little nick in the chink of armor when it comes to this book and his theory. Why did it take so long? Now, he talks about that he does give some kind of explanation that Von Braun wasn't privy to all this information that was going on in Antarctica, I guess, whatever. So that does make some sense a little bit, but that's grasping at straws, in my personal opinion. So I don't know. You can form your own opinion on that. I would think if even... If they didn't have, or he didn't have all the access to the research and the technology that they had and supposedly had in Antarctica, he would still be further along than what he was. He would know something about it. But I don't know. I could be completely wrong on that, but that makes more sense to me than 
they actually went to the moon and Colin, you know, had a base on the moon. And yes, I did say base on the moon. Kasson states, by the end of the war, the Germans had an actual base on the moon. But once again, they couldn't win the war, but they could colonize the moon. I guess. Maybe if they would have put a little bit more effort into the war, we'd all be speaking German right now. But I don't know. I mean, that's it's this whole book is fascinating. It's interesting, but I don't. It doesn't make complete and total sense to me. Now this book starts really diving into the uh, science fiction category for me. Kasten talks about there's actually the solar system is teeming with traffic. There's multiple alien groups out there. There the moon is has multiple bases from. The moon's a launching point, which sounds familiar, to Mars. Mars has colonies on it. Um, there's all kinds. There's an intergalactic war going on in the solar system. And so you might think, well, why we would see this. We would know about this. Telescopes would pick this up. How can they keep this from us? Basically, if I read the book properly, if I understand what he was trying to get across, basically there's some kind of field, which now the... Flat Earth, which are going to go crazy again with the whole firmament, but we it doesn't let us see that far out, or it doesn't let us, it somehow filters out all that stuff. Very convenient. I don't think I'm going to buy that, but like I said, this is where the book goes into the science fiction category for me. Now, earlier, I've, throughout this whole episode, I've been talking about how he connects dots that, you know, makes big leaps and connecting dots. Now, we all know that there is an abduction issue, whether that be from the stars or just good old random abduction. People go missing every day. There are millions upon millions of missing people, probably over how many years, whatever. He states that people are being taken to work in mines or be soldiers in this intergalactic Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whatever, in the Space Army, essentially. They He talks about something called the 20 and out program. Now, we're going to go into science fiction even more here. Basically, they would abduct people from this planet, take them up into, I guess, spacecraft, or take them to one of these bases, and actually make them sign a contract saying, you serve 20 years, and then we'll take you back. So 20 years of service, and then you're done. Now, what's really interesting about this, and what's not interesting, what makes me leaves me scratching my head, is basically they would take them, and when their 20 years is up, they'd return them back to the time they left. So apparently, according to Kasten, not only do they have the ability to go to the moon, have bases on the moon. They have time travel capabilities. So apparently, Marty McFly was right. Good old Doc and him, maybe there's a DeLorean flying around. Do I believe time travel is possible? Theoretically, it's possible. But like I said, I have not seen, I don't know for sure. I don't think I'll ever, if it is possible, we won't crack that nut until long after I'm dead. 
Now, I said he doesn't really give a lot of proof or evidence to these dots he connected there. When you connect dots that are so far apart, yes, it does make some sense. Yes, it can, you know, be interesting. But there's probably a more rational explanation. There's a dot much closer you connect that's not as far-fetched as what he portrays in this book. You know, and he, but what evidence he does provide when it comes to these abductions in the 20 and out program is he's relying on people's accounts from, you know, lost memories. They wipe their memories, but some people have gotten these memories back. Hypnosis of people, you know, or hypnosis that people have brought this back with hypnosis, I guess is a better way to put it. We all know that memories are weird. People can think they believe anything. And hypnosis, things can be planted into somebody's mind through hypnosis. I talked about that in the previous episode. I'm talking about uh, when I did the uh, conspiracies, a little bit of the conspiracy episode, you know, with MK Ultra and the CIA, they were actually trying to find a way to implant and erase memories and put memories in. And apparently they had some success at it. So relying on people's accounts of this program, of them being in some kind of space army, you can't, it's too far-fetched. It's too far out there for me. And trust me, I can go pretty far. I mean, hell. I have a paranormal podcast, for Christ's sake. But that is too far of a stretch for me. I can't go there because people are always looking to get attention. People are always looking to, you know, seem more important than they are. So they will come up with some big stories or they might actually convince themselves that this happened. So it's interesting. It's fascinating. But as in proof of this program, no, I need a lot more proof. This whole book is conjecture. It's, I mean, but it's, it's interesting. I'm not bashing it by any stretch. I think it's more fiction. I think it's science fiction rather than, you know, a nonfiction real account of what happened with the Nazi party and what happened during World War II and the space wars that are going on. I mean, it'd be fascinating if it's correct, if it's, even if there's some truth to it, it'd be fascinating. There's a lot of questions, but it doesn't give any meat. It doesn't give me any proof, and I need a little bit more proof. So if you want, I would pick it up, read it. It's interesting. Some people might think it is gospel, but I just don't buy it when it comes to the Nazis basically conquering space when they couldn't even conquer this planet. I would say, if it was me, I'd say let's conquer the planet, then venture out. Would have worked better. So... That's going to wrap up this episode. Be sure to send me an email at gitmpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. If you want to comment on this section or this episode, it's late. I'm losing my mind. If you want to leave leave me a comment, however you're taking the podcast, or go to ghostofthenightpodcast.com. Leave a comment there at the show note page. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at night underscore ghost. Um, we do do some live episodes. I, this one, I didn't do this one live, but head over to Facebook and you can find me at ghost in the night. 
when I do go live, when I do do a live recording of a podcast, that's where I do it from. So check that out. That would be very beneficial. If you want to get a heads up when those are coming out, follow me on Facebook or Twitter. I try to uh, give notice and don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up. Thank you very much for everybody who has subscribed this far. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. However you take in the podcast, we're all over the place. Believe it pretty much on every platform, I believe, by not, at, not, at this point. I would greatly appreciate it. But head on over to the podcast webpage. Like I said earlier, go to nightpodcast.com. Pick up a podcast t-shirt if you want. There's links all over it. Or if you want to show support for the podcast, be sure to go to our Patreon page from the homepage of the website. Show your support. We greatly appreciate it. Go, go really far in helping move the podcast along. But be sure, most importantly, to subscribe to the podcast, however you take it in. That would go a long ways in getting us out there a little bit more. So, till next week, take care, everybody. Question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.